Welcome to the Hills. Thank you for being with us today. You need to know that I love Christmas music because I love Jesus. <laughs> and I don't think there's ever been a year where we need Christmas more than we need it in 2020. In fact, uh, we want to do a little extra this year. And so, starting next Sunday, the 12 days of Christmas, we're going to post on our Facebook page and on our YouTube page 12 devotionals for 12 straight days, 12 minutes long, just to help you remember the message of Christmas. And that starts next week. Because again, if there's ever been a year where we need some Christmas, it is this year. Now, typically, I don't think you should put up Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. But this year, if you put them up after Labor Day, I've got no problem because we need Christmas this year. Now, we put up our decorations yesterday. I love to do that. And one of my favorite things to put up are our Christmas stockings. Now, let me show you my current stocking. It's actually quite old. It's over 30 years old. It's on the left there. And here's the story behind it. The first several years that we were married, we were always on the road at Christmas. We didn't put up stockings. But then after several years of uh, not being able to get pregnant, we adopted a little boy. We were going to have our first Christmas with a baby. And we needed stockings. So Jamie made them. That's the stocking she made. And here's the thing. I had to decide what name do I want to put on my stocking. And for the first Christmas ever, I got to put this awesome name. Daddy. And it's still my stocking. It still goes up. It's an awesome stocking. It's a huge stocking. You can put a lot of Milky Way candy bars in that stocking. Hint, hint. And that's not my first stocking. That's on the right. It's in pretty bad shape, but that's my very first stocking. And you can see at the top what they called me when I was a little boy. I was Ricky. Because stockings make you decide. What do you want to be called at Christmas? Do you realize heaven had to make that same decision before the first Christmas. So what we're going to do for three weeks, we're just going to look at the intentional names chosen for Mary's baby. Here's how the story begins. She's a virgin. She's in a little town of Nazareth. An angel shocks her and shows up and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son... And you are to call him Jesus. Now, her fiancé, her betrothed, Joseph, when he found out that his fiancé was pregnant, thought about putting her away. It says in Matthew, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son... And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, they knew they were going to get married. And like most Jewish couples, they just assumed their first son would have the name of the father. The first son would be called Joseph. Do you understand? Part of their obedience to God was putting the name Jesus on their first baby's stocking. The angel was clear to Mary, you're to call him Jesus. The angel was clear to Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus. Now, you know that Jesus has many titles, but he only actually has one name. And the thing is, it was an ordinary name. 
It was a common name. When he went to kindergarten, he probably wasn't the only boy in class with his name. Not even the only Jesus in the Bible. Acts 13, there's a sorcerer named Simon Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. Colossians 4, it says, and Jesus, who was also called Justice, sends you greetings. Well, I think in the first century, if I was a Christian and my parents had named me Jesus, I'd change my name too. You know, by the second century, hardly anybody was named Jesus. Uh, the Christians wouldn't use the name because they revered it so much. The Jews wouldn't use the name because they hated it so much. But in the first century, there were lots of men called Jesus. That's why he was often called Jesus of Nazareth to help identify which Jesus you're talking about. So it's not a unique name, but it was uniquely given to him even before he was conceived. Why? Why did God want this particular name? Well, the Hebrew people loved to name their babies after the heroes of their faith. And so, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Yeshua, Joshua. Joshua was a huge hero to the Israelite people. And so many people named their baby boys Joshua, Yeshua, the Greek word Jesus. And here's why that matters. Because what does Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, what does that mean? It means the Lord saves. And so when Mary placed her baby in the manger... She was calling him, every time she spoke his name, the Lord saves. Over 900 times, he's called Jesus, and his name says it all. It tells us he wasn't born to be a therapist. He wasn't born to be a social activist. He wasn't born to be a moral ethicist, although all those things are good and consequences of the fact that he was born. But he came to save his people from their sins. Call him Jesus, the Lord saves. Uh, an angel came to shepherds out in the field in Luke 2 and said to them, Don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. Call him Jesus. The Lord saves. In Acts 10, Peter is doing something he's never done before, preaching to Gentile people. And he says, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Call him Jesus. The Lord saves. So here's the big idea today, that Jesus is a name we can believe in. And I'll unpack what that means in a moment. But here's what you need to know. Christmas announces some bad news. And that our condition is much more serious than we realize. Now, I don't have to convince you the world's pretty messed up. And it is full of problems. But the problems of the world are the fruit. And the root behind all the problems we have, the Scripture calls sin. It goes all the way back to the garden. The root of sin is self-sovereignty. I'm going to do life without God. 
And when we do, we destroy ourselves, we destroy other people, we destroy God's creation. Sin is deceptive, sin is destructive, and we need to be saved from it. That's the bad news. The good news, we can be saved from it. Jesus came to save us from our sins. Please note, the angel didn't say, for he will save his people from their enemies' sins. He will save his people from other people's sins. No, he will save us from our sins, from the shame and the guilt and the bondage of our sins. Heaven gave him this name because it would name his mission. And you know what else? It names the decision that we all have to make. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John to write these words. This is God's command. To believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Believe in Jesus. Now I said, I want to unpack what that means. We say it all the time. Just believe in the name of Jesus. What are we saying when we hear those words? Well, first, what we're confessing is that we are sinners who cannot save ourselves. Now, nobody I'm talking to right now is going to say, I'm perfect. But what we like to do is say, I make some mistakes. I know that. I see myself as a regular mistaker, but I don't see myself as a wretched sinner because, well, frankly, I like to compare myself to other people that I am better than. Do any of you like to send out family letters at uh, Christmas in your Christmas cards telling everybody how your family's doing? In 2014, Saturday Evening Post had this letter from a woman named Fran. I'm very busy this time of year with all the important things I do. So my Christmas letter will be shorter than usual. Our family is still much more successful, better looking, and happier than yours. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and that's how so many of us think. I'm not saying I'm perfect, Pastor. But I am a better person than most of the people I know. I admit I need some improving. But I don't know that I need saving. This is why Paul says the gospel is an offense to people. But let me ask you, if I'm okay and you're okay, why Bethlehem? If all I need you to do is try a little harder, why Calvary? If we were not in danger of perishing, why the name? Back at the first part of the last century, one of America's most famous evangelists was named Billy Sunday. He was going to a city to do a revival, so he wrote the mayor, please send me a list of all the names of your people that need spiritual help. The mayor sent him back the phone book. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm asked, why don't you preach more about Jesus, our example? You talk too much about blood and about sin and about repentance and about death. Well, here's why. I do believe Jesus is a great example. I believe I should try to imitate him every time I can. But Jesus was sinless. I have cheated. I have lied. I have been bigoted. I have lusted. I don't just need an example. 
I need a Savior. I need to be saved from my sins. So, in the days of Jesus, people just thought, well, if you're better than other people, you're good, right? So this guy comes to Jesus that could be a deacon in anybody's church. He was moral. He was religious. He, he, he was the kind of guy you want your daughter to marry. And he left Jesus sad. And Jesus said, it's just so hard for people like him to get into the kingdom of heaven. People that are so convinced that they're good. And look what it says. The disciples were amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? See, I want you to get this. Christmas is a reality check. Christmas is an indictment of the human condition. We don't just need repairing. We need redeeming. At Christmas, we're not just declaring that Jesus came. We are declaring He had to come. Because we needed to be saved from our sins. Isn't that what the most famous verse in the Bible says? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If he had not come, we would have perished. When I say, believe in the name of Jesus, the Lord saves. I'm asking you to confess that you are a sinner and that you cannot save yourself. And I'm asking you to trust Jesus alone as your sufficient Savior. You've heard me say many times that if a person says all religions are basically the same, they have not studied all religions. There's a huge difference between the Christian faith and other religions. All other religions reveal what people can do to save themselves. Christmas reveals what God had to do to save people. The Savior had to come and He had to become a sacrifice. Deity had to pour himself into humanity, live obediently, and then offer himself completely as a substitute. In other words, what the Christian faith teaches about salvation is this. God had to love us to death. Again, listen to John. This is love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son... Why did he come? What was God's mission for him? Why did God send him? He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the Savior of the world. So Christmas is asking you to trust God's plan. It's asking you to trust God's man, the God-man, Jesus. God says, I give you this command, believe in the name of Jesus. And so here's the thing about believe. It's such a strong word. It's so much stronger than the way we often use it. 
Often when I say believe, I just mean I agree with some point. But it's so much deeper than that. John Patton was a missionary to the South Sea Islands. He's translating the New Testament into the language of the people on that island. And he can't find a word in their native tongue for the concept of believe. One day, an islander comes into his home, plops down in one of his chairs, puts his feet up and says, Oh, it is so good just to throw my weight on this chair. And Patton knew he had found his phrase. And so in their version of the scriptures, the word believe is to put or throw your weight on. When I say the Lord saves, I'm saying I'm stopped trying to save myself. I am completely throwing myself onto the mercy and grace of Jesus. So I've got a friend that grew up in Austin. You may have heard of Barton Springs. When he was about 11 years old, he and a buddy went there to swim. They decided to have a race across the spring. About halfway across, he started to cramp, and he started to drown. But before too long, a man came behind him, a lifeguard, put his arms under his armpits. And the first thing my friend did was fight to try to swim harder, to get away. And he still remembers the words of the lifeguard. Stay still. Stay still. Let me swim you in. And he did. My friend sat on the shore. He said, it was humiliating. I was embarrassed. And I was also saved. I told you many people think the message of the cross is offensive because they're proud. I'm better than most people I know. I don't need saving. I just need a little improving. To the proud, the message that Jesus is a Savior is humiliating. To the humble, it is so liberating. I can stop fighting and straining and just throw my weight on the one who is sufficient to save. It's a name that can save anyone of anything at any time. Time. Look at Romans 10, 13 with me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Say the word everyone with me. One, two, three. Everyone. Now I looked up that word in the Greek. You know what it means? It means everyone. What it means is that you will never meet anyone who is beyond the reach of the name of Jesus. When we say believe in his name, we're not just declaring his arrival. We are declaring he has no rival. He is the only Savior. He is a completely sufficient Savior. He's the Savior we can trust facing death. And he's the Savior that we can trust facing life. Oh, you think I'm excited. I'm just getting started. You mind if I just, just cut loose and preach for a little bit? When I say believe in the name of Jesus, I'm saying you need to confess that you're a sinner. You would have perished without God. I'm saying that you need to trust completely in what Jesus can do to save you. And I mean you need to embrace his salvation as a present and future reality. So for years in New Hampshire, the license plates had a slogan, live free or die. 
made famous by the Revolutionary War hero, General John Stark. Now, here's the irony. Those license plates were made by inmates. And it illustrates the truth that so often we announce a freedom that we don't actually experience. And that's what some of you are doing. You are trusting Jesus to save you on the other side of the grave. So lean in and hear this. This is big. Are you ready? Jesus came to save you from your sins, not just from hell. Call him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Not just future, but present salvation. Look with me at Romans chapter 6. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. He's not talking about after the grave. He's talking about before the grave. Not just a trust that will help you face death. It's a trust that will help you live life. Call him Jesus. He can save people from their sins. Look at Romans 8 with me. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit. Stop. Can we all say hallelujah for the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. See, when I say believe in the name of Jesus, he can save you from your sins. I'm not just saying he can forgive you of your sins. I'm saying he can deliver you from your sins. This is good news, people. This is really good news. Christmas is an invitation to a life of freedom. And this is why the early Christians were told, I don't care what you're doing. Not just when you're at church, not just when you're having your quiet time in the morning. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. And they did. For example, in Acts 3, Peter's explaining how a lame man could walk again. It was by faith in the name of Jesus that this man you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Back to Acts 10, Peter's preaching to those Gentiles, and it says, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 16, Paul's in a town called Philippi, and a woman possessed by a spirit is given testimony to him that Paul doesn't want, he doesn't want demons talking about him. It says, 
She kept this up for many days. So finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, this is how we're supposed to live. Healing, transformation, character change, bondage breaking, victory and spiritual warfare, whatever it's possible in the name of Jesus. Because of Jesus, none of us has to be held hostage to our past, and all of us can take hold of a new future. And this is why the scripture says it is the name of above every name. Now there's a reason Mary put Jesus on his stocking. And so this Christmas, I know you're going to shop, you're going to eat, you're going to decorate, or you're going to make some time to praise his name. And so one of my very best friends is Chris Seaman, a pastor in Dallas. And I've told the story before of him taking his oral exams for a graduate degree. But he put it in print, and I'd like to read in his own words what happened that day. When I finished graduate school in biblical studies, I had to take oral comprehensive exams. For two hours, it seemed like an eternity. My seminary professors could ask me any question they wanted covering the span of my education in graduate school. One professor handed me his Hebrew Old Testament and asked me to translate a verse. I stumbled through that. Another professor handed me a Greek New Testament and asked me to translate a verse. I stumbled through that. Another professor asked me a series of questions with the last one being the most stunning. What is necessary for salvation? Immediately, my mind went wild. What's he looking for? Should I say belief, faith, a confession with my lips, baptism, repentance? I could think of a dozen different scriptures that said different things. I couldn't decide. So I reeled off a list and recited random scriptures as to what we must do to be saved. And you could say I stumbled through that question too because I said everything but the right answer. The one I was to begin with, the one he was looking for, the one, the one answer he hoped I hadn't missed in all my years of studying. He sat in silence when I got done. And finally, he asked me a couple of strange questions. How long have you been in the grad program here? I told him. How much money did you borrow to go to grad school here? I told him. He said, you mean to tell me you spent all this time here and borrowed all this money, and you can't tell me a clear answer as to what is necessary for salvation? <laughs> I wanted to say, well, you're the guys who taught me. <laughs> but he went on. The answer I'm looking for is the one you should always begin with. God. God is necessary for salvation. And every Christmas I think about that exchange at some point because the name of Jesus means the Lord saves. To believe in His name is to believe that. And so I've got a big ask because I've got a big burden. Will you let Jesus do what he came to do? Will you let Jesus save you from your sins? Because Jesus will always live up to his name. 
Do you feel totally in bondage to a sin that is wrecking your life and your family? Have you called out to Jesus? He'll live up to his name. Are your hearts and emotions and spirit poisoned by anger and bitterness and wounds that you can't get past? Have you called on the name of Jesus? He will live up to his name. Do you feel far from God right now? In fact, do you feel like because of some of the stuff I've done, I couldn't get close to God if I wanted? Have you spoken the name Jesus? He will live up to his name. I don't know what you've done in your past, but, but I bet nobody here actually incarcerated and murdered Christians. A man named Saul did. And Jesus sent a man named Ananias to him to tell him, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. Wash your sins away. Calling on his name. I feel really burdened right now. I'm preaching to people that love Christmas. You even love Jesus. But you won't let him do what he came to do. And today is a day of salvation. It's a day to call on the name of Jesus. That's why we want to pray for you in Jesus' name about that struggle. That's why we want to baptize you today. And if you're watching online, you say, well, how do I do that? You just contact us. You put in that chat. You want to get baptized. We'll do that today. To honor Christmas is to ask Jesus to live up his name. The Lord saves. So let me pray. Oh God, I feel such a burden right now. I know in my spirit that this burden is from you. You've put it on me several days this week. That you knew that I would preach this week to people who need to call on Jesus. Who are giving in their lives a place to sin that they can be saved from. And so God, I pray with all I have. May this be a day of salvation. And may your Holy Spirit speak straight to the heart of anyone who needs to call on Jesus. We praise his name. We lift up His name. We pray in His name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.